Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, it's great to see you. Welcome to Blue Ridge Church. Those of you streaming with us online, it's good to have you with us. And if this is your first time here, uh, we really appreciate you being here. We are in the final week of a series, a four-week series called Unstrapped. And in this series, we've been looking at financial health, financial fitness, really what God says uh, about good stewardship and managing the the money and the resources uh, that he's given us in life. And today's pretty exciting because we're going to get really practical and we're going to look at a lot of God's wisdom in the book of Proverbs, but how do we get out of debt? And how do we stay out of debt? And how do we begin to save and to prepare for our future? So I want to just start off with a question, ask you a question. Has anybody ever uh, gotten a credit card offer in the mail? Right? We get those things all the time, don't we? Six billion credit card offers are mailed in the United States each year. That works out to like 40 per person that's working. Or maybe you own your own trailer or you own your own home and, and you get those refinance offers, right? You know, or, hey, take out a home equity line of credit at this great interest rate. We get that stuff all the time because truly debt is normal in our culture. We don't think twice about it. Everybody's got debt. You know, it, it's not that big a deal. We're actually indoctrinating our kids to believe, hey, you can just, you know, live on what you don't have. You can enjoy stuff now. It's just become a normal part of our culture. But the truth is, one thing you won't see or or you'll rarely see, if ever, on a credit card offer or even a home equity line of credit is the word debt. They don't use the word debt. Why? Because it's not a good word. It's a negative word. It's a bad word. As a matter of fact, I wrote down uh, some words people use to describe debt or some synonyms for debt, and I just want to go through them. Arrears, owe, obligated, committed, liable, in deficit, in default, encumbered, in over one's head, below the line, tied up, out of pocket, destitute, in difficulty, in the hole, in hock, fleeced, bad news, reckoning, stripped, broke, busted. You get the point, right? It's not a great term. That's a bad list of things. And honestly, that's what debt is. But now listen, debt, it's not a sin to have debt. All right, I want you to hear me on that. It's not a sin to have debt. And we know that because when we read God's word, which is our God, it's our rule book, it's our foundation, there's instructions given to creditors on how to charge interest and things like that. As a matter of fact, Matthew 5.42, first verse on the outline, that outline's available on the church center app if you want to follow along. But give to those who ask and don't turn away those who want to borrow. So here's the point I'm trying to make, learning number one. Debt is not painted in the best light in the Bible. And there's tons of arguments uh, among Christians. And, And listen, I know not everybody... Uh, follows God. Not everybody's made that decision. But if you're a Christian, there's a lot of arguments between Christians about whether a Christian should have debt or not. What we're talking about is unsecured debt. There's a big difference in carrying secured debt 
in unsecured debt. Secured debt is like a, a car loan or a house loan where technically, unless you're completely upside down, you could sell the asset to pay off your debt, your obligation. Unsecured debt is debt that has nothing behind it, like credit card debt. And, and so if the creditor came calling and said, hey, you need to pay the balance on the American Express, you really don't have anything that you can turn over to them to pay that balance. So what I'm focusing in on today is unsecured debt and how we actually get rid of that unsecured debt. And a big part of our debt problem in this country, the unsecured debt problem, is we live in a buy now, pay later culture, right? And that's what we're constantly taught. You can enjoy it now. And all that does is kind of kick the can down the road and set us up for major problems in our life. As a matter of fact, when the scripture talks about debt, it uses the word slavery to talk about debt. Look at Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Why does it use the term slave? Because we lose our freedom when we carry too much debt. We lose our freedom in life. So as we talk about this, maybe you're asking, well, how do I know? I've got an issue to deal with. How do I know that I've got a debt problem, you know, that I need to handle? And so what I want to do is I just want to look through some, uh, real quick, just look through some debt warning signs, if you will. Doesn't guarantee you got a problem, but it means you've got something that you probably need to look at. All right? And, and I don't want you, you know, raising your hand or talking on the chat feature and say, yeah, that's me. You know, this, this, is, just for, this is just for self-reflection. But one sign you've got a debt problem is you're living on the line of credit on your credit card. This is where my wife and I found ourselves when we first got married. I told you we were spending more than we were making, and the credit card was taking up the difference. And so our balance kept going up and we were paying interest every month. Now, I'm not talking about if you use your credit card to pay for your gas, and you probably had to up your limit, right, with your bank to be able to get gas now at the pump. But I'm not talking about if you use it for that and then you pay it off every month. I'm talking about we consistently carry a balance. More than likely, that balance is edging higher, and we're paying interest every month. That's a debt warning sign. Uh, another sign, we can't save anything. Or we can't give anything. There's just not enough because we have so much debt. Another sign, we stress about past due bills. And we don't even have enough to cover our current bills. That's a debt warning sign. Or here's another one. If you buy something on credit because you can't pay for it outright. You don't have the money to pay for it outright, so you buy it on a credit card. Or you finance it. It's something you want, you know, maybe it's something that you think is going to bring you some, some pleasure, short-term pleasure, and so you go ahead and buy it now knowing you can't pay for it in full when the bill comes due. That's a sign there could be a debt problem. Anticipating your pay, right? Taking a, a payday loan two or three days or a week before you get paid, that's a sign that there may be a debt issue. And, and again, this isn't to make any of us feel bad. We've talked about how we've all made financial mistakes. It's to get a gauge. Okay, this is where I'm at. This could be a potential problem. This is something I have to address. 
Proverbs, again, Proverbs is so full of wisdom. Proverbs 21, 17, those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. And culture just adds to our unsecured debt problem. Again, because what does culture teach us? Be discontent. Don't be happy with where you're at. Don't be happy with this and don't be happy with that. But if you will buy what we're offering, you're going to be content, right? So they sell discontent, but their product or whatever service miraculously brings us contentment. But it just drives this buy now, pay later mentality. So learning number two, we are constantly sold discontentment and instant gratification. If you watch TV this afternoon or tonight, pay attention to the commercials. And it's always about, uh, you know, this is going to bring you more happiness. This is going to bring you more joy. We want everything now. That's why we can't wait on anything. We're not patient with anything. And we're actually taught you can have it now. And it's amazing to me that young kids think they're going to live exactly like their parents as soon as they get a job. I'm going to have the same type of house mom and dad have or a car or, or whatever. But here's a statistic I found this week. We literally have um, roughly $2 million. This is on average in America. Each person throughout their lifetime will earn $2 million, have $2 million circle through their bank account. Yet over half of us will die. Well, actually, all of us will die. But uh, half of us will die with a net worth of less than $10,000. Think about that. We have millions and millions of dollars go through our hands, yet we save very little, we give very little, and we'll spend till, we, till it breaks us, and we'll die with a net worth of less than $10,000. And again, that's because we're taught you can have everything, and you can have it right now. And so we buy into this false a picture from culture about money. And what does it do? It just causes us stress and it causes us grief and it causes us worry and it's constantly on our mind. But the reason we've done this series, if we'll kind of open up to God and, and release things to him, and I don't care if we're talking money, marriage, children, job, forgiveness, humility, whatever. If we'll live openly with God and follow his instructions and follow his guidance and his wisdom, he starts to take some of that stress and that worry out of our life and give us some peace. Jesus actually said how we manage our finances has a lot to do with how we're going to manage the rest of our life. If we can get the financial stewardship part right, then a lot of the other pieces of our life are going to fall into place. And really, if you look at what Jesus said, he said it a lot harsher than I just said it. Look at Luke 16, 11. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? So truly, Jesus says how we handle our money determines a lot of the other area and direction of our life. So I want to talk about how do we get out of debt? How do we truly get unstrapped, become debt-free, and I'm talking again, that unsecured debt, and how do we start saving? How do we begin this process of saving? And this is not a talk just for people who are buried in credit card debt. 
You, you might be in the black right now. Your, your finances may look really good, but we could still be leveraging credit card debt in a negative way. Or we could be not amply preparing for our future and saving for our future and saving for retirement. But the first step for all of us, no matter where we're at, is commit to getting unstrapped today. Be intentional about that. I'm going to commit to doing this today and staying unstrapped. You might be unstrapped right now, but I'm going to commit today to staying unstrapped. Again, like week one, I told you it's hard work. It takes discipline. It takes commitment. It's not an easy road. But I guarantee you when you get down it, it's worth it. Now let's talk about debt and let's look at what God says. Psalm 37 verse 21. The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. That seems kind of harsh. Wicked? You know, why would God say it's wicked? Because unsecured debt is when we take money assuming on the future. We're we're taking money, we're buying something that we know we don't have the money to pay for right now, and we're assuming on the future that we're going to be able to pay for it somewhere down the road, right? And we'll say things like, well, I know nothing's going to happen to my health. I know nothing's going to happen with my job or or with my family. I'm going to be able to pay this back. Or we'll say something like, well, I know I'm going to get a raise You know, I know this promotion, I'm promised this promotion, so I'm going to go ahead and spend that now. It's like Clark Griswold in Christmas Vacation. It really is, right? He puts the down payment on the pool before he ever gets his bonus. And so what we're doing is we're assuming on the future. Proverbs 27.1, and the Bible says not to do that. Don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. Now, we should prepare for our future, absolutely, but don't assume it. And I think also God says it's wicked because debt, it distracts us from what God wants to do in and through our lives, right? Most of us could not obey God if he came to us and wanted us to do something because we're so strapped. You know, whether it's a move of generosity with with somebody in your family or it's something for your church, wherever you go to church, or it's a mission trip or whatever it is, most of us couldn't obey God because we've already committed all the resources that we currently have. And a lot of us have committed the resources that we may have in the future. So last week we talked about give, save, live, and you set a percentage for each of those. So we're going to talk about that second one, savings. You set a percentage every paycheck or every month that you allocate to savings. And it doesn't necessarily go into savings. It depends on our own financial situation. Here's what I mean by that. If you don't have an emergency fund, and this is what any financial planner will teach you. If you don't have an emergency fund, that percentage to savings first goes to build an emergency fund. Well, why do I need an emergency fund? Because emergencies are going to happen. And 28% of us have no emergency fund at all. 50% of us could not handle a $500 emergency if we were faced with it. So it's incredibly important because if we go ahead and start down the path to getting out of this unsecured debt, like paying off our credit cards, and then we have an emergency, what are we going to do? 
we're going to pull out the card and we're going to go right back into debt. And a $1,000 emergency fund is what financial experts recommend because that's about enough to cover any emergency as we're getting started down this path of financial freedom. That's about enough to handle anything that we're going to face. So it could take weeks, it could take months, but you build that first. And let's say an emergency comes up and it's $300, you got to replenish that with that savings percentage before you continue on to pay off debt. So that's the absolute first step. Now, after you've got the $1,000 emergency fund, you start to pay off that unsecured debt, that credit card debt, or maybe you got a personal loan for something, you pay those things off next. And the way you do that is the first thing you have to do is you got to figure out your financial state. So I recommend that you list out everything you own, everything that's coming in, and then you list out everything that you owe. You put it on a piece of paper. You build an Excel spreadsheet. You don't just do this in your head. You got to visualize it and see what it looks like. Here's why this is wise. Proverbs 24.3, a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. And when you get this picture in your mind, however it looks, don't pretend that it's not there. Because this is key to getting unstrapped. Learning number three, we need to come face to face with the reality of our finances. No matter how ugly it is, because once we come face to face with it and see it written down, then we can start to build our plan and we can start to build our way out. Proverbs 18, 13 says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. A lot of times we don't want to listen to the facts of our financial situation. So we've got to face reality. And listen, this is the point in this process you go through that you should build a budget. 66% of the American population does not live on a budget. That's crazy. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how little money you make. A budget is the single most important tool that we have available to us to either get unstrapped or to stay unstrapped. Because we're not going to get out of debt accidentally, right? We're not going to start saving money accidentally. We get the plan and the budget is the picture of the plan. And I know what you're thinking, well, a budget's a straitjacket. It doesn't have to be a straitjacket. If you want to have some fun, budget for fun. Put it in your budget. If you want to have a fund where you eat out, you know, dinner, build that into your budget. Again, this has to be intentional. We talked week one how we're not going to just pray and say, oh, God, fix my financial situation and he's going to do it. We have to do things. We have to take steps, and a budget is one of those steps. A budget doesn't mean you can't live your life and you can't enjoy money. It just means this, learning number three. A budget is a tool we use to exercise control over our spending. Our budget tells our money, this is where you're going to go. Instead of it just you know, disappearing magically when we spend things throughout the week. You're just telling your money where to go. So we've got the $1,000 emergency fund. We've come to the reality of what our financial situation looks like. We build a budget. Now we start to tackle the debt, the unsecured debt. So within that, here's what I owe, 
you're going to have like your unsecured debt, credit card debt. And you start with your smallest credit card balance. Let's say you got four credit cards that all have a balance. You start with the smallest one, the one with the least payment, and you start to pay that off. And and we're going to look at how to pay that off. Well, why would I start with the smallest one? Why wouldn't I start with the one, you know, with the highest interest rate? Shouldn't I do that, Scott? No. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, listen, if sense had anything to do with it, we wouldn't have credit card debt, right? You know, it's, it's emotional, we got to have a small victory first. And if we have a small victory paying off that smallest credit card, then we're going to be more motivated to pay off the next one and the next one and the next one. It's like a diet. If you don't lose a few pounds pretty quick into a diet, what's going to happen? You give up. You look at any diet And that's the promise, and it actually works. In the first week or the first two weeks, you'll lose X amount of pounds. It's designed that way to keep you motivated. It's the same way when it comes to paying off debt. And the tool you use, and you'll hear this like if you, you know, Ramsey or Crown, uh, the debt snowball. It's all about momentum. So you pay off that other one, and then you've got more momentum as you go in to pay off the next one. So here's what you do. Let's say you had those four credit cards. You got the smallest one allocated over here. This one we're going to take care of first. The second, third, and fourth one you just pay the minimum balance on because that's probably all we're paying anyway, right? But on that first one, you pay the minimum balance plus anything extra that you can add to it. Anything you can cut out of your budget, anything, uh, you know, that you can come up with, sell something, sell something in your garage, sell something in your house, sell a kid, you know, whatever. But anything you can come up with, you put on that balance to get that first credit card paid off. I don't have anything extra, Scott. Yes, you do. We all do. You know, there is 2.3 billion square feet of storage space outside of people's homes in the United States. Think about that. 2.3 billion square feet. So we've got stuff that we could sell. And literally, people will buy anything if you price it right. Now, we all think our stuff's worth more than anybody else's, don't we? We always value our stuff higher, but if you'll price it right, literally, people will buy anything. We bought a house one time, and the people left a lot of stuff behind. And they left a 25-foot light pole just laying on the ground out in my yard. I'm like, what in the world am I going to do with this? I just wanted it out of the yard. And so I put it on Craigslist for $175, and I sold it in two days. I couldn't believe it. I, literally, I would have paid someone probably $50 to come get it and to take it off my property. I hope that guy's not here that, that, paid, me, <laughs> that paid me for that. But the, all that stuff laying around that we don't really use, we don't really need, or it represents value. It represents money. It represents something that could get us out of debt. And and I was talking to uh, one of our assistance team members this morning, and he's getting ready to have an estate sale, and he could not believe the value of things that he has and how it's gone up over the past two or three years. So all that stuff can help us to get out of debt. So you have that sale, sell whatever you can. Facebook Marketplace is a great place too. 
seriously, to sell stuff, and then you put it on that credit card balance. So you're coming up with extra to make that chunk bigger, all right? And maybe, you're, maybe you committed, hey, I'm going to take a second job for a little while, or I'm going to work overtime for the next month and a half. Anything you earn on that, or if mom sends you a check for your birthday, you put it towards that first credit card, and you get that paid off. And then once you get that one paid off, everything extra you're able to cut out of your budget, plus that minimum payment you're paying on the first card, we don't have the first card anymore, you roll that over with that minimum payment on that second card. And, and again, you've cut things out of your budget. You got to live bare bones. Don't eat out lunch. Take a bag lunch to work. You know, it's like 12, 15 bucks now if you eat out to lunch. And that's crazy. Think about a year of not eating out lunch and how much you can pay off debt. Don't go to Starbucks. Make your coffee at home. If you got to put it in a Starbucks cup, that's great. <laughs> Just buy, you can buy a cup and you make your coffee at home and pour it in there. Get rid of streaming services. All of us have streaming services we probably never, and I know these last two sound like blasphemy to the young people. He is sinning in church. But we have to think differently. You know, you may not be able to play as many rounds of golf during the week. Wow, he is stepping on toes today. <laughs> right? But it is. Again, this is short term till we get out of debt. And we can budget for those things, but we have to have limits and we have to have barriers. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. Good planning... And hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts leads to po uh, poverty. So, and, and probably the best thing that we could do, don't take on any more debt as you're going through. Don't charge anything else. Don't take on any, don't go to the mattress store and buy a mattress 90 days, same as cash. Because guess what happens after 90 days? We don't have the cash and then they charge us interest. And it's like 20, 21, 22% interest. They don't make a lot of money on the mattress. They make the money knowing that they're going to charge us interest. Cut the cards up. Stop the bleeding. And I know what you're thinking. Well, I pay my credit cards off every month. And that's great. But it is proven we spend between 20 and 25% more money when we use plastic versus cash. Because... And that's, that's why society wants us to go to a cashless society. Because when you swipe a card, does it hurt? It doesn't. Here's what we do. We go out to dinner, and we get our wallet out. And I, what am I doing here? We get our wallet out, and we look in our wallet, and we've got cash to pay for dinner. I'm like, yeah, well. And then we say, I'm not going to spend my cash. I'm going to charge it. And we pull out the credit card, and we charge it. Because there's no negative response in our brain when we use plastic. It just doesn't hurt. But when you hand over 420s to pay for you and your wife's meal, like, wow, it registers, doesn't it? You're like, I only got 220s left. But it's a proven fact we spend more with plastic. So let's talk about savings. Proverbs 21.20, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. I love that. I'm like, I'm using the King James Version. A fool spendeth 
it up. Now, savings, we're not motivated to save because according to uh, this guy named Michael Norton, who's in Harvard Business School, really smart guy, he says there's no direct correlation to saving money and our happiness. So it's not something we naturally want to do. There's no tie between how much money we have in the bank and how happy we are. But in that same sentence, he says there is a direct correlation between how much debt we have and how unhappy we are. So that's why you tackle the debt first with this savings allocation every month. So after you get that $1,000 emergency fund, after you, and it could take two, three years to pay off those credit cards, but after you get those credit cards and unsecured debt paid off, then the money that you have allocated to savings, guess where it goes? Savings, good, you're with me. You start then to save three to six months of living expenses. And, and that just blew some of your minds out of the water. But think about this. You've got two huge victories under your belt by now. You, you've, paid, you've got the $1,000 emergency fund, you've got all your credit card debt paid off. And you've got more of a percentage you could put towards savings. Why do I have to do that? Because here's what I can guarantee. Disaster is coming. Problems are coming in our lives. It's, make no mistake about it. Some of you, you're in a financial crisis now. Others of you, you just got through one. The rest of us, maybe you're in the black and you're good shape financially right now, but trouble is coming. Think about Pharaoh in the Old Testament. I've talked about how Joseph saved Egypt from a seven-year famine because he was able, God allowed him to interpret Pharaoh's dreams and he warned him about the coming uh, famine. He had all kinds of money, all kinds of wealth, yet he was still not exempt from the seven-year famine. So when you think about it, unexpected events, emergencies aren't really unexpected events and emergencies after all. We know they're coming, so we should anticipate them, but more importantly, we should prepare for them. And that three to six months helps us to do that. Proverbs 22.3 says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Young people. Where are my young people? I know the college group, the young adults group is back from the retreat. Where are they? Make a little noise. All right, they're sitting over here. Listen, don't put this off. Every year that goes by is a year that you could be saving for your future. Every year that goes by, you don't get out of debt is another year you're paying interest and you're setting yourself back from saving for your future. Don't be like so many of the rest of us that waited way too long to start saving for our future or saving for our retirement. Any of you, if your employer has a 401k plan, which most employers do now, where they match a certain percentage of money that you put into retirement, start participating in it today. It's free money. I guarantee you, if you could walk, let's say Target said, all right, every person can come in four times a day. You give us $100, we're going to give you $200. You bring us a $100 bill, we're going to give you two $200 bills. How many of us would go four times a day? All of us. That's what a 401k matching plan is. But $24 billion every single year goes unclaimed because people don't participate or they don't participate at the level that the company will match. In the Old Testament, 
When Joseph was sold into slavery and saved Egypt from the famine, they had seven good years and seven bad years. In the seven good years, Joseph saved 20% of the crops. That's it. He saved one-fifth each year of those seven years. But in the seven years of famine, they had 100% of food that they needed. Why? Well, you got the God factor in there, right? Just like the oil last week, God was involved. But it was their persistent saving that allowed them to accumulate so much grain, they didn't even know what to do with it. And what's really cool is if you read that story, Pharaoh, Egypt, Joseph became known for their wise saving, their smart saving, their persistent saving. Listen to Genesis 41, 55. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you to do. And he had enough saved to feed the people. He anticipated the problem that was coming and he prepared for it. And I think the final thing we could do, learning number six, live on less than you make. You know, when you set that give, save, and live on the rest percentage, maybe those three things only add up to 90% instead of 100%. It's hard. This is very, very hard to begin the process. And it's especially hard because the older we get and the more we make in our jobs, guess what? the more expensive the things are that we want, right? As our earnings go up, our yearnings go up. That's the old saying. So it makes it that much more difficult. But we never arrive. We never get to not live on a budget. My mom's 87 years old. She's getting, well, I shouldn't have, maybe I shouldn't have said that. No, um, she's going to be 88 in May, and she still lives on a budget. She's lived on a budget since she was a teenager. doesn't matter where you're at. It's wise, to begin the process. And here's what I can promise you. If we don't start the path to getting unstrapped today, we're going to regret it six months from now. Guarantee you. If you don't start the path to financial freedom and financial fitness today, down the road, you're going to regret it. Start today. We might have the goal to get unstrapped, but if we don't follow God's principles and if we don't have a, a, a plan then that goal was just a dream, right? It's just a wish. But when we get intentional and say, hey, I'm going to do this, it starts to become a reality. Don't get discouraged in the first month. It takes time. But I'm telling you, it's the most freeing thing that you can do. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much, first of all, for the blessings that you give us. It, it, Lord, we truly live in the land of plenty. You have blessed us tremendously. Lord, help us to manage every aspect of our life well, especially the resources that you've entrusted us with. Lord, help us. We know you don't fault us for where we're at. You just want to help us to move forward. Help us to start working on some of this unsecured debt and build an emergency fund and be prepared for the the things that we don't know that are coming. Lord, constantly put your word in our mind, especially the book of Proverbs, about how wise this is, and give us the determination to move forward. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Amen. As we finish up, 
uh, just encourage you to continue to finish out, uh, fill out those connection cards. If you have prayer requests, please put those on the connection card. And then uh, be thinking this week as you start to get unstrapped or you know, build this plan that's going to keep you from getting strapped, uh, think about who you could bring uh, to church with you. Invite a friend, bring them with you next week. I hope you have a great week, a great Sunday afternoon. Thanks for being here. God bless you guys.